Just imagine that we have people who do this. Every time somebody buys something that they're shipping, what do you have? Your address, their name. We can automatically send them a thank you card that says, thank you for buying our product. We really appreciate it. Sign, Josh and Sam. Welcome to Pipelineology, the business-to-business podcast for agencies, consultants, coaches, and businesses looking to build a pipeline of hot prospects ready to buy their products and services. Never wonder where your next client is coming from. To learn more about our strategies, services, and for resources on building your sales pipeline, visit Pipelineology.com. Now, on to the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Pipelineology. I am your host, Gary Ruplinger, and today I am pleased to be joined by Sam and Josh Ovet from Mobile Pocket Office. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Hey, thank Happy you. Happy to be here. Gary. Well, I am, I am excited to have you. I am really looking forward to our conversation. Uh, before we jump into that, uh, for people who aren't familiar with you or Mobile Pocket Office, could you just give a little bit about your story, your background, and uh, how you guys got here? Yeah, absolutely. First part? Yeah, I'll jump in. So we're, uh, we're a, a firm, just so people understand it, that does consulting and implementation of automation and process, but that's the technical part. The exciting part is we're a father-son uh, led firm. So it's a lot of working together to look at your business from two different angles. The old guy that you see here, Josh, and the young guy, myself. So we say it with, with a bit of jest and a bit of fun, but the idea is to look at your business and help you understand where you can be human, where it counts, and otherwise automate. Josh, if you want to jump in for a second, talk a little bit about the background of why we started this specifically, because it comes from different different backgrounds. Absolutely. So um, I spent most of my years, 30 plus years, doing automation for large companies. So that we're making things consistent, delivery consistent, and uh, you know integration of different systems. So long story short is, well, now that we work with small to mid-sized businesses or agencies or consultants, one of the things that we find is they're busy. They're too busy. They're working in their business rather than on their business. So the idea is where can we free up somebody? And I use the statement of two things. One is the best business model is the one that doesn't need you. So it can run. And the other one, we start a conversation and we're like, okay, if we're gonna go off into the Amazon and spend six weeks on vacation exploring it, the nearest phone service is four hours away and we'll go for six weeks. Will your business still be as good or better when you return? Can you actually do it? And so when we look at things in that perspective, you have to take a very close look at what could you remove that you're doing on a regular basis. And I'm sure, Gary, that during our conversation, we'll go through some actual real live examples of clients and customers who we've done some cool things with that might interest your, your, your audience. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, I, I'm, I'm definitely excited to kind of talk about, you know, kind of explore some of these automations, some of the possibilities, because as you, as you were mentioning the being off in the Amazon for six weeks, uh, you know, I got, I got like knots in my stomach when you were saying that, because I'm, I'm thinking, 
gosh, no, I, I couldn't, I couldn't spend six days away. I, you know, I need my phone. I got to talk to people. I got to email. I got to be in communication and make sure that, you know, everything's running smoothly. Uh, so, uh, that's a, that's a scary prospect. I know, I know for me at least, and I know a lot of, uh, a lot of our listeners probably thinking the same thing of six well, weeks. Heck, <laughs> I didn't learn it. I didn't invent it. I learned it from a gentleman who for 30 years took 166 days a year off no cell phone service, no interruptions, a room with a view somewhere in the world. So I know it's been done. I learned how to do it. I did it this year. I took six weeks off, you know, and guess what? We're still profitable and it's still growing. That is awesome. So I'm in. Where do we start? What do we do? <laughs> where, where, where do we begin this journey? Uh, what should we be focusing on? Well, I'll tell you what, I'll jump in there, Josh, and you can you can layer in some stories around how we how we look at it with folks. And I think an interesting little backstory just to back up a second on is is how we started this thing and where it came from, because, you know, here Josh has been doing for years. I mean, I'm his son, so I've seen it for years and grew up around it. Uh, process based, you know, something related to process and technology put together mostly for large businesses for the majority of my upbringing. I went off, went to college, really enjoyed that and decided I'm going to professionally whitewater kayak and guide. So here I am being a professional athlete. I had this background of all this business process stuff and an degree in environmental sciences. So I'm learning about ecosystems and how things go together. And this is years ago now at this point, but I think it's an interesting story because there's a lot of things that I took from my time as a professional athlete and that we've applied into this business. And that Josh took from his business process years and we've applied into the process side of marketing. So I like to talk about that because it's a unique background. It's, it's not completely what people are used to hearing. And I think if you start to look at it that way, it's a lot of fun. Josh, it looks like you've got something to chime in there with. So, Well, one of the things that you don't know about Sam, because we've all just kind of met, is he likes to do adventure sports, hiking, white work, kayaking, anything that you potentially... If you're not paying attention, you could wind up in the hospital where I could have got a couple of good scrapes. So there's a lot of risk management exactly. risk in what he does and how he looks at things. I mean, I looked at risk management from a business perspective. He's looking at it from a personal and I applied it backwards. But I'll let him talk about, you know, one example would be is, you know, if you're going to go run some, you know, if you see some pictures at a later date of him running a, you know, 400 foot cliff <laughs> down. Or like 80, 80 feet. You 80 know, feet. Right? Okay. You know, I was 400 feet away looking at it. So it was, it was big. It was rough. And it looks like you go, when I would look at it before, when I took them to these rivers and said, look at those crazy people. They're trying to kill themselves. <laughs> Literally. Um, and next thing I knew is I put my sons in that kind of training at, you know, eight, 10 years old and said, okay, let's go le learn how to white water kayak. Um, so anyway, I'll let Sam talk about his perspective of looking at something from a risk, all right, and averting, like you just said, Gary, what we just told you is super scary, right? So with looking at a, a giant river that's gushing with giant waves and saying, you're going to get in that and you're going to do cartwheels and you're going to have fun at it. So Sam, why don't you start there? Yeah, I, I like that 
to take this idea and apply it because everybody's done something physical that they look at and they go, Oh, that, that looks risky, you know, and then they go experiencing it, even if it's on a small scale, what looks risky or scary to them. And so you take this idea and you apply it back to business and you even apply it back to automation. And in your case, Gary, if we were to look at it and you said, Hey, this is the idea of taking this much time off without touching my business is terrifying. Right. And so we break that down and we go, well, what are the component parts that make up that risk, right? Why can't you take that time off today? And once we break it down and start to understand it, then we can objectively identify the pieces that need to be worked on to allow you to then do the things that you want to do, like taking that time off. This is the same with the physical component of high adventure sports, right? You, you don't jump in and just do the hardest thing right away. You start with baby steps. And you learn and you break down the risk and you start to understand the landscape of risk. What's objective, what's subjective, right? Is it subjective risk? If you actually put your phone down for six days, would your business actually have major issues or would people just not be able to contact you, but ultimately it would actually be fine. You know what I mean? And so we look at these pieces and we do that in all the components of the systems that we look at for people because Oftentimes, some of it is a a lot of it's subjective risk that people have in their minds. Oh, I can't do that, right? I can't automate that. And it's like, well, actually, yes, you can. And then they miss the pieces where they should, where they think they could automate. And it's like, no, no, that's where you need to not automate right there. And we'll get into those pieces. But the whole idea here is that there's a framework of looking at and assessing risk in high adventure and physical activities that can be applied to business. And the thing that you're trying to do is break it down, understand the risk at the components, and then make changes to improve yourself in a business context to the point where you can fully step away and have an automated business. So I'll add a framework to that. Everybody's seen an onion, right? An onion grows in layers, small, and there's layers and layers and layers. Most people who are successful in business started out small and they added a layer of a thing they had to do or deliver or review. And over time, they've added lots of layers. Now they got this big layers and the most recent and up-to-date layers are on the outside. But what they don't do sometimes is take the time to go back and remove all the unneeded layers that you started with that are duplication, you know, I, a good example of that is I have people, I say, I ask the question, just like annoying little kid, why do you do that? <laughs> and, you know, you, you can be like a fly in the wall. That's one of the things that we do is we observe what people do and why they do it and how they do it. And then as a third party, and I always say that the best person who is the smartest in your organization is the newest one you hire and you're trying to train them. Because then you try to train them how to do all the things that you want them to do. And most of them, if they're smart and they're not afraid of, you know, giving feedback to their boss or their manager, will ask the question, you know, why do you do this when you do it in three different steps and you go straight line? If you just eliminate that, you get the same result. And the comment would be is, well, that's because that's the way we've always done it. And that's what we call a habit. The comment is, is change and looking at these things sometimes means looking at some of the habits, processes that you do. And there are many that if you're 
past the age of 25, you do things what I call automatics. They're things that you've done them the same way. You don't even think about them. But when you try to explain to somebody, here's what you need to do to do this job. And you try to do it step by step so they can repeat what you ask them to do and in the exact order and all that. They'll usually come up with uh, probably at least 75% of the time of things that you do going, wow, that's a lot of work. That's an easy way to do that. And that may be because they know about a tool, they're thinking about the process, or they just realize, you know, that's your habit, but I can do it faster. And, you know, go do something else and be more productive for you as a team member. So when you kind of start developing this, is that kind of where you start breaking it down is what what are your habits or are there certain areas that you focus on first or as you start this where 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 does somebody focus their attention to to begin this process yeah so i'll jump in on that one is we start with something really simple and not digital surprisingly we have people print out a piece of paper that's uh, got some lines on it like a spreadsheet and it's called a we call it a pal or a personal activity log is what the acronym is for. And it's simply having everyone on your team who's involved with the different aspects of your business write down what they do for two or three days, just all the different things they do. And Every that's where- Every minute increment. Yeah, yeah, everything you do. And, and sometimes that has to be a few more days. Sometimes it's, it's faster than that, depending on what people do. But the idea is that you- start to understand what you actually do that makes up running a business, right? What are all the little things that in the context of taking time off that you quote unquote, maybe don't feel like you can take the time away from, right? And so now that, now that you understand what those are, that's the starting point. You know, what sucks up your time? <laughs> exactly. What is the busy work of business? What is the busy work of business? What actually takes up your time? And then we take that, and I'm going to layer this in because it's the next thing that we do for people to think about and start putting in their minds. And this is something people can do themselves. You write this stuff down. And then the next thing you do is you look at it in the context of five different areas of your business. Attracting, what do you do to attract new business, right? That's usually the least automatable, the very top part of that. That's the raw marketing, the creative work that's going out a lot of the times. Now that you've got that interest, how do you convert it into leads and then sales? And those two, that's where automation really can start to kick in. And then you've made a promise to people and they've bought something. Now you've got to fulfill it. Obviously, if you don't fulfill your promises, you're pretty quick out of business. <laughs> and then after that is where most businesses stop, but there's two more crucial ones and that's Really good businesses make a point to have processes and automation that delight their customers and help them get more utilization out of their product or service and also are opportunities to upsell them to new and different aspects of the product and service that give them more benefit. And then the final one and the cheapest marketing anybody can do if they have a good product or service that people love is making sure that they identify their process for referrals. So you have attract, convert, fulfill, delight, and refer. And if you look at the different things that you do 
in those stages of your business, now you have a pretty clear picture of all the things that go into running your business. And that's, and only then is where you start looking at of the processes, what can and should be automated. And those processes are the same regardless of what kind of business you're in. So when you drill down into those processes, you know, what you actually do, that's when we get to the detail of, okay, what are you doing today? What's supposed to happen? And then, you know, the idea of being is, okay, um, and everybody's seen this, think of a series of pipes, right? Big diameter, small diameter. Um, if you have a lot of water pressure and you have too small a pipe, many leads, not enough you know, way to follow up on them, the pipe bursts and guess what? You're, you're, not, you're not following up on business that you've invested to, to build. If you're trying to build pressure, then you need to make sure that your pipes are about the same size. Otherwise, uh, we've all experienced and you know, you go up to the shower on the third floor of the house and you know, it dribbles out of the shower. Well, you know, if you make the pipes the right size so that the pressure is going through them consistently, the pipes either don't leak and you get consistent, um, you know, flow of leads, business, money, cash, no matter where that end is. A good example of what I'm talking about. We talk, I told you, I'll give you some example. One of our customers, she is super successful. And it takes her 30 minutes to take your money after you've said yes. And I went, that's nuts. You have somebody on the phone, you should be able to ask for their credit card, take it, and then all the things that happen, all the things that they are enrolled in, all the information they get, all the process they get started on, you should just say, put on this campaign and bam, it all happens. And in one of those situations, that 30 minutes was down to a checkbox. And guess what? And I think the other important thing there, Josh, is the volume of how many she's doing. Right, exactly. So here's the real key is, the fact that she had to spend 30 minutes really wasn't a big deal to make three or $4,000, right? The difference is she was having to do that 30 times a day. What? Yeah, 30 times a day, she was having to do all this stuff. So I took 30 times, times 30 minutes. So between her and her staff doing this stuff just to get the customers on board, we reduced it the whole process down to one click, okay? After they take the credit card, enroll, <laughs> right? And then all those things happen. There were literally like 22 different things that go on, right? To get them involved in this course or that campaign or recurring meetings, all the things that they needed to set up and manually do, now happen with a click. You know, what is her comment? What? There's an interesting comment that came from her she called me about three Thursdays ago, early in the morning, and said, you're going to laugh your butt off, Josh. And I said, what? She said, you know, um, I think I have PTSD of automation. I said, what the heck are you talking about? She said, I signed up a customer. This was early on in the first three or four days that we put this place. I said, I just signed up a new customer. And I started checking all the places that I normally need to go and they were already done. She said, you know, I was reaching for an arm that no longer was there that I needed to deal <laughs> with. So it was like, 
oh, you know, and then, you know, realistically, another like 10, day, 10 days ago, she called me and says, there was a problem with one of the processes. Okay. She changed a few, the way she did things, and one thing didn't fire. He says, you know what? I forgot that I that I forgot that I actually had to do all this stuff. I'm so busy doing all new marketing that you know I didn't realize how much stuff is being done. In other words, how quick they for, she forgot how she used to have to do it was like boom, it's all gone. And her next comment was, "What else can we do?" <laughs> <laughs> you know. And the and thing was, she's at a decision point at this point in her business. I'm gonna jump in, Josh, because yeah. this is this is what a lot of the customers that that we work with experiences there at the decision point of I could hire somebody to do those 30 minute tasks for each customer and it would still be profitable. But now I have to hire and pay someone on an ongoing basis to do this type of work or press one of my other team members to take on more work from an area that they're not necessarily hired to focus on. And I have to continually pay that person to do this ongoing task that is process driven, standardized, the same every time. Or I can invest once in automation and it works always and forever. And that automation also does not need a health insurance plan. It does not take a vacation, right? And it's also work that people often don't want to do and they just get tasked with in addition to what they're really there to do. And it's that idea of pipes and Josh talked about this. It's the other part of that analogy, which is it's people, we poured water down the pipe. It's about to get to the end. Make sure that somebody picks that pipe up and connects it to the other one so that the water flows through versus building a connector so that anytime you put water into the pipe, it goes through and you're not leaking water. And you don't have to hire somebody to move the pipe each time. AKA and, move you know, the data. The name of your podcast is Pipeology. So it's kind of a, a fitting. <laughs> Pipelineology. Yeah, but the, it's kind of a fitting thing that you don't want leaky pipes. You don't want improperly sized pipes. You know, you want it to flow. And there's an interesting thing. If you have a business that has multiple people who tasks or processes need to be handed off to, you know, you sold somebody, sale, marketing hands it off to sales, sales hands it off to production or implementation or, you know, shipping, whatever that might be, right? So this is the thing that really keeps us busy. When we start with a customer, we start with where the leakiest pipe is, right? Can let's fix that immediate problem, get that out of the way, stop, get remove the bucket that's stripping, so to speak, or you know is about to implode. But we can always tell if we've drawn out this whole kind of ten thousand foot level that if we improve this thing right here and we increase the pressure, we know who's down the the poor person who's downline from that, who is now going to have to deal with it. And we also know that once that thing pressurizes and it's full and it's working great, there's somebody at the other at downstream that's going, I got too much to do. <laughs> so we know where our next focus will literally need to be 
because we're going to see that section of the piping, all right, and the plumbing, so to speak, start to uh, experience some issues, all right? Not always. Some people have some really good, solid, you know, existing piping, but when you go in and do a remodel of a house, a business, you know, you replace something with better technology, faster, easier, smoother, you know, larger flow, there's bound to be something downstream that's going to burst, break, or stop, you know, um, it's plumbing, you know, and as I jokingly say sometimes, you know, you have an expectation when you press the lever that everything flushes, <laughs> you know, it should just go smoothly um, from that perspective. Uh, but, you know, the interesting thing, I'm sure that everybody's saying, well, that must be expensive. You know, that's a, you know, it takes a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of injury. It, to make things simple, it does take energy and time, okay? But in most of our customers, we might be, and, I, and I'm accused of, hey, you're going to come in and replace my employees. And I'm like, no, I'm going to release them from the boredom, okay? And, let, and if they've been with you for a while and they know the quality of what you're working, and what you're doing, we're going to allow them to work with the people that they develop relationships or help them talk to people who need help, where a computer can't answer a complex question or a, hey, could you tell me why this would work for me? Computer's not going to do that, you know, if that's not in your business. But the idea here is, is that we take people and put them in the human part where it's important. Where people say, you know, I talked to Andrew and man, your team is awesome. He helped me solve this problem and showed me exactly how to use this properly or how to do this properly. Um, so, but the answer from an investment standpoint is, is we find that most of our customers who have people they pay between thirty dollars and $50,000 a year with all the overheads and benefits, that, uh, you know, over a five-year period, that's three to $500,000. And you can replace a lot of stuff for less than one year's worth of salary. And that's a good investment because you never have to pay that again. It's totally diverted. So there's a huge, you know, I won't say there's a hundred to one investment. I, you know, anybody who has a hundred to one investment will buy that every day. But, you know, if you can get 10, a return of 10 or 15% over multiple years from investing in something, most people can't get that on a day-to-day -day basis, not even in the bank. So that's kind of where we look at is, okay, are you willing to invest? You know, do you have, do you have more business than you can handle? Okay. Uh, if you can't generate business, one thing that we don't do, we're, we're, we, we know how to market. We just don't do it to others. When I say marketing, advertising. Why? Because if you're spending money on advertising, you got to have somebody who's specifically watching and managing your pocketbook. Otherwise, it'll go out the window like doves <laughs> you know, in, a, in a hurry. But once that advertising comes in and we're and tracking it and you know, if you're doing retargeting and you automate that so that those who are already customers don't get retargeted, you're not spending money on somebody who's already a customer. That we do. So we'll help control the valves of spending. But, you know, the initial, hey, we need to create a Facebook ad and do something for the holidays. Right? Uh, no different than that was my that was my morning job the seven of this morning. I had to create a 90 second promotion for something that we're doing as simple as hey, automating handwritten letters in volume. <laughs> I'm giving away just, uh, you know, if one of your people hear this on Thursday, if you don't want to write a handwritten letter to any of your clients or, or family, 
um, I'm giving away 400, 100, 100 letters, right? Will be automatically handwritten. I'll even give you the sappy um, words for it, okay? That'll go out with a press of a button. That way you can say thank you. Um, you can say happy anniversary. Uh, while we're just doing it to say, when was the last time you wrote handwritten letters to your clients to say happy new year? And this year, particularly, we all need it. <laughs> So you're, you're automating handwritten letters. I, I got to hear this. I got to hear this. How do you do that? Let's, let's dive into this. Josh, hold on. Just back up because you just jumped right in and, and there's a little bit of a context piece missing here. Yeah, okay, go ahead. It needs to be layered in. Uh, you know, this idea of being human where it counts and otherwise automating, right? What does it mean to be human, right? It's It's the personal touches. It's the things that we all believe or commonly recognize that if somebody puts thought and energy into my problem or the experience that I'm having with the company, that usually feels pretty good and makes a pretty strong connection and also makes me very likely to refer you business. And be loyal. So we, and be loyal. So we look at that and we go, well, what can you do? And how much of it can you automate while still retaining the personal feel. So that is where this is one, I'll call it tool in the toolbox of being human where it counts, otherwise automating, where we can tie someone's automation system into a service that automatically at the right stage in the customer journey sends out a hand a handwritten thank you note. It literally looks handwritten. I have one here. Uh, and it's got a stamp and the envelopes postmark yeah, it, comes, and it comes like this i have one in my desk because i we did a webinar about these recently and it looks like that and then the card itself can have this is an example but it can have anything you want on the front and then this is the level this is what it looks like i mean if i showed you this does this look handwritten to you Oh, it definitely does. And if you're just listening to the audio feed of it, uh, basically oh, yeah. what uh, what Sam is showing is it's uh, it looks very much like a, a letter with a logo on the front. And as I'm looking at the text of this, um, boy, I I can't I can't tell the difference over a, over a video feed so, if that's not if that's not real handwriting. So Gary, yeah. I'll tell you a funny story. Okay, I was preparing. I'm preparing some cards for my, our customers and family for New Year's, right? And I sent the test one to my, I wrote the copy and I sent the test one to myself. Uh, I don't have it, my wife threw it out, but she opened it up and I was in the kitchen. She says, oh, you got a letter from somebody, you know, cause it was a thank you note from somebody. And she's reading it, it says, dear Josh. And you know, he says, they wrote a really nice handwritten letter. He said, but it's from you. Because <laughs> it was, you know, from two Josh, from Josh said, what? I don't understand. And I said, yeah, uh, you know, it's a handwritten letter that I ordered with a click of a button. And it merged in anything that I wanted from my CRM system to personally say thank you about the product and service they bought and how wonderful I appreciate their business and I look forward to it. And by the way, if you want to refer a friend, here's a code for them for a discount. So, you know the handwritten and you know it, who we're all stuck at home these days we go to the mailbox and guess what here's a simple concept 
everybody on this podcast, including you, Gary, have bought something online from someone a bunch of times this year, okay? And you get this email that says, thank you for your order. Which is great, better is than great. nothing. You know, or here's your invoice paid, right? Just imagine that we have people who do this. Every time somebody buys something that they're shipping, what do you have? Your address, their name? We can automatically send them a thank you card that says, thank you for buying our product. We really appreciate it. Sign, Josh and Sam. It's, I mean, it's just one thing you go, wow. You know, it, it sets and you can part. take it a step further. That's pretty much fully automated. You can take it a step further and add even a more human element in it where you write a note that then merges in to the rest of the letter in context automatically and you would get a task out of your system that assigns you time to write the note at the time the purchase took place so that you did it on time all the time for every customer and you had a consistent experience and then i'm going to take this a step further you can then what we help you do is, is in this context this example track okay you're going to send handwritten thank you notes Let's try at least two different styles because what's your goal with these? It's to say thank you and mean it and do it in a way that looks fully human. And the other aspect of it is to help you get more sales, right? You're doing it one, because it's a nice thing to do, but two, because you're hoping that it will return in more repeat sales or referrals. And so using physical, physical mail we're able to help people track if it is actually converting to more sales by split testing physical letters that are going out automatically from your system. Like that's where you take it to the level of automation and tracking and looking at using that human touch to make the difference. And then if you really want to get fancy, so let's talk about- We're we like running build, down this example, but- One after another, but- we have one of the services that we use that if you want to send a gift card from Home Depot, from Starbucks, from Lowe's, from Costco, any of those type of gift cards, it will automatically put a personalized gift card inside that note that you personally sent. Now, isn't that freaking cool? And you don't have to whip out your credit card. You know, hi, thanks for your help. Buy yourself a cup of coffee. Here's a $5 Starbucks card. I, you know, you're getting a handwritten note with a gift, a gift thing. You know, um, let me let me put a little context to this. For 40 years that I've been in business, when everybody spent any any customer that spends five thousand dollars with them, I send them a pound of the most expensive uh, chocolate uh, toffee there is in the world. It costs more than prime prime rib, and and, and, and it, it's twenty dollars a pound. Okay. So I send a thank you box. I've always sent a thank you box of chocolate. Well, our system knows when you spend five grand, if amount over five grand, send email to chocolate manufacturer to send out box with thank you note and it just goes to them. So we've always used ways. I mean, my, my assistant used to do that. Now the system does it and it does it every time. And I don't care if it's the same customer uh, I remember one of the customers said to me, you know, Josh, I love this toffee. Um, I just, instead of eating it, I should just slap it on my thighs. 
you can't stop eating it. Um, so the idea here is if you're going to do something consistently, right? And all of us are good entrepreneurs. We get busy, we get distracted. And I'll use the common as you, you know, in the days of yore when you went to trade shows and you picked up cards and you told everybody, Hey, give me your card. I'll send you some stuff. And then, you know, the card sits in a bundle of rubber bands in your left-hand corner drawer, two, da- two drawers down. You pull it out three weeks later and you go, I'm embarrassed to send it because now I'm like a month later I met you. So you never do anything with it. The idea here is timeliness, all right? Um, you know, people these days, you know, if you don't respond to somebody in a, in, in a short order, usually, especially if it's an online relationship at the beginning, they're off to somebody else. So, you know, um, what sets you apart? Getting something personal, getting some kind of response, getting in their in- inbox, or in this case, getting in their mailbox. Everybody's home today, you know, and, you know, everybody like, I just look at it this way. When you get a package from Amazon, they let you know you, you can't wait to get out to the mailbox or go get that thing. You just, a letter is the same thing, it's a nice surprise. Anyway, let's kind of keep moving along the automation thing. I just, we just kind of described one little piece of being human, but automating some of that thing. So it's helpful to you and being personalized. I like, I like the example though. I thought it was, it's kind of a fascinating use of, of taking a, a, a human touch still just making sure it stays consistent. And I like, I like, I love that idea that you still, you actually get the, the human benefit out of it. Well, reducing the amount of time spent trying to, to do it. Cause that's hard. That's so, how, I think that's always the balancing part, right? <laughs> if you'd like me to describe kind of an automation process, which since you said that you're the audience out there, your consultants, your business people, your agencies, you probably do things like talking to somebody on the phone, making a proposal, um, taking, you know, a deposit, you know, maybe signing a contract, right, and having to get that done, and then starting them through either a, you know, an implementation process or a consulting, a weekly or, you know, a scheduled weekly or scheduled recurring call to work them through a coaching scenario, okay? Let's, let's talk about some real-life stuff, okay? So, um, you know, I'm going to use this one. I had a woman come to me, and not a woman, and she says, things are going great. I just don't have any more time. You know, um, can you fix this? And I'm like, what? She says, I want more time back. I want, you know, I want my life back. I've been working on it. So I said, you know, let's go through this process. And we spent four hours together just kind of sketching it out. I mean, I asked her to bring to the table when we schedule this, you know, a drawing. Okay. Can you just kind of draw out a little bit about your process? And when she sent me the picture and your viewers can't see this, but it looked like a football play, you know, with, you know, lines all over the place. And, and she says, that's my process. And I went, okay, will you explain it that to me? Cause I was like, you know, is this a flea flicker or what? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I couldn't tell, you know, um, because she had layered on every single one of the arrows and X's and boxes and where it goes. And I saw the final result. I was like, okay. So I said, yep, looks like you got a lot going on. So let's talk about that. So as she unpacked what she did step by step, I made it into little swim lanes. Okay, this is the process. Then you do this, then you do this, then it goes to the next lane. And then you do this, and then you do this, and then you do this. And she looked at it and went, yeah, that's exactly what I do. Those are all the steps that I do. 
And we counted them and they're like 95 steps to do something and said, okay, you know, let's start at the top and let's start working through what you actually do. In other words, here's the steps. Oh, I sent them a contract. Okay. That means you got to prepare one, fill one out. Do, 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 do. Now all of us know about little pieces of automation, like, you know, a sign request or a DocuSign or something like that. But I said, okay, let's, my idea is let's eliminate it. Let's let you just check off a box or once they pay, it just kind of happens. So the first thing we started with is, okay, you know, she doesn't sell online. She literally has an appointment and she sells and then they do this consulting. So the first thing that we had to do was she was getting leads, approximately 30 to 40 leads that came in through a webinar, a, a, a automated webinar. So she did Facebook to webinar, getting leads and going to an appointment. She had these appointments every day. They fill out a form to make the appointment and then she would have a second page that they would ask about 10 or 15 questions to not qualify them, but have a better discussion. They already knew what they were getting into, but she wanted to know some details. So every day she was having to copy and paste those 20 or 30 questions into her CRM. <laughs> okay. You know, so she got an email from a Calendly, you know, so she had some automation, Facebook to a webinar, to a Calendly appointment, to a page that took the questions. Then she had to copy the questions into her CRM system. And then she had to make the call and then, you know, start getting answers, you know, more details as she calls, she took notes. And then once the person, so, I eliminated all that. Now it was from the seminar, from the Facebook to the auto webinar, to the call, to the questions. It's already in her database and she gets an email with a link with the appointment set on her calendar automatically. She doesn't have to set the appointment anymore with the link to the database record. So when she goes in there and has the call, she just presses the link and up goes her screen. Now she just types in the notes. Amazing, you know, that, that alone was, you know, a time saver of copy and paste. And she has literally said, I don't even remember doing that anymore. It's just a breath of fresh air. I said, okay, what's the next step? So when they say yes, so we took the approach of let's talk about how we make more money first rather than save time. Okay, what do you got to do? Well, I take their money. I said, how do you do that? I said, I go into QuickBooks and I type in all their name and the address and everything again. And I charge their, take their card and I charge it. And they get a receipt and then I put their name into the CRM system and make sure that I, rec you know, and then add them to this, that, and the other. And I send, them, and then I go into a, a doc e document and then I send them a contract that before they actually are, uh, get enabled in all our systems, we have to have a contract signed. So I send them this contract. I use an electronic signature. I have to refill in all the information and then send the contract and wait for them to get back or put it on my calendar to remind me that whether they've gotten back to me or not. And I was like, okay. Let's just take care of that. Now I'm talking after this is a long discussion, but the answer is okay. So you now let's go into your CRM system and ask them for their credit card. And now it's attached to the record. They get a receipt. It's all automatic. Bam. Okay. And you get it and you know what it's when it's successful because I'll send you a text that says, cha-ching, you have money. <laughs> all right. So, and also send you money if their credit card, send you a cha-ching if it fails. So why are you on the phone with them? You'll know right away if they... If it, if it processed, you know, um, then, you know, that was just a, a good warm feeling. So the second part was, okay, so now you're taking their money and you're going to tell them on the phone that you're going to send them a contract to sign. And you filled in all the fields that you need to, and you just checked off, send contract. That's up. Boom. And now the contract come in, in her case, the contract uh, validates all the fields that 
you know, she had like 12 or 15 fields. There's a lot of information that sometimes she forgot. So I made sure that it all got validated. It was all filled in before you sent the blank contract or missing stuff to a customer. And then what would happen was after that validation said, yep, it's ready to send. It actually sends it if it was all filled in or if it didn't, it'll, it'll text you and say, you know, you missed something. But in the meantime, um, it will send her the initial contract right away. I mean, like within seconds in her email. And she can just review it, make sure everything's spot on and she wasn't working too fast, didn't make spelling errors. We all do that. I'm, I'm a big culprit of, I, can, I can't, I, I'm a two finger typist, so I can spell. <laughs> I'm, I'm always misspelling. So, you know, she got to review the contract and then she just clicks, I approve, and it automatically gets forwarded to the customer. The customer gets it within seconds, right? So this is, we're talking about a minute and a half while you're on the phone just talking to somebody. The customer's now got the contract. They can sign it. It automatically gets, you know, the customer gets the e-signature. It automatically, the contract gets stuffed into the CRM system. So she doesn't have to look in yet another system. She has to reference it. And it says when they completed it and what date. And if they've done multiple contracts, she can see the history of them and click on it and review them. Okay. Whoa, no two systems. All of it's all in one bucket. Then once that's done and the contract is signed, that automatically kicks off the rest of the enrollment process. So that kind of give you an idea how this evolved. The first thing was that they had to get put into their, their, their learning management system, their project management system, alert who's the coach who's assigned to them, um, send a thank you email to everybody, distribute all their emails and passwords and access to the systems, and then put them on their weekly coaching call that repeats every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. <laughs> okay. Now that's done all within 30 seconds just by putting them on the enroll campaign. It's done. Okay. Now, because she has a 10-week program that she runs through and she does this individually or by groups, mainly by groups, you know, she has a cohort of 10 or 15 people that come to the training with one trainer. Um, the trainers used to have to send out the Monday, Wednesday, Friday reminders. Hey, don't forget to come, blah, 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 blah. So now they automatically get reminded. Their people don't have to do that anymore. Their people don't have to look up information. It's already set up. Hey, you have a new customer, get in touch with them. And we even did it with their employees where the system sends out an invite, the first invite for the introduction call to the coach that they're assigned to. So they paid the money, they set up in the system. The last one was, hi, this is Tricia, and I'm gonna be your coach. And here's an iCalendly so you can make a link and we can book our first call to, as an introduction. So all the things that she had to rely on her team who are super busy, the consistency of just the front end of getting people into the system improved by almost 40%, no errors. It always happens. Now, automation does occasionally fall apart. So what we do is when everything works, works, we send well, a hold on. email. Yeah, go ahead. Why does automation fall apart? Because it doesn't fall apart just randomly. So oh, because I think that's people... very important to address because <laughs> you're going to throw that out there. And people go, well, why would I invest in automation if it occasionally falls apart? Okay. You want to take that? Or should well, I? Right, you, you can run with it. You can okay, run with it. So I'll, I'll automation fall apart, right? One is the person who's designing the workflow forgot a step. 
or a customer changes their process and forgot to tell you to make a change, okay? Or let's be realistic. Sometimes the internet goes out. <laughs> there are outages and one system doesn't talk to another, okay? And some systems that only send the request over but never confirm they got it, you know, it's like, a it's like a telephone call. You called me, but you never left the message. So I don't know you called. <laughs> so the idea here is on certain types of processes, what we do is we close the loop, especially if they're complex. And, you know, when you get really comfortable and you say, oh, it's all working and I don't have to do it anymore. One of the last steps in this particular process is we send a confirmation email that says everything's been done. If something didn't work for some reason, here's exactly where the problem was. So you can go in and if you have to actually, you know, if one in a hundred times, you know, maybe the internet was out or one of your, we had this case the other day, Trello, right? AWS went out, there was a Zapier. I'm just, I'm getting into the weeds here, I apologize. But, <laughs> you know, the signal went out in Trello, Trello wasn't available. It wasn't set up at that time to retry. You know, hey, I didn't get a response. It waited 30 minutes, the outage was like for two hours. And, you know, eventually my system sent a note and said, couldn't reach Trello. Could they go back in there and just fire off that initial one redone? Yeah, because they were all built com in components. So we just chain them all together. But, hey, this one's missing. Just restart. Just send that one again. Boom, it's done. It's not the end of the world. But we did close the loop and say, hey, guess what? Um, this piece didn't happen. Check on it. All right. And that brings up another important point is that when you make automation, you should document what you're doing so that you have documentation of what you've automated. It's because we see this occasionally, we put automation in place for people. It's beautiful. They love it. And then they get all these new ideas, which is great. And then they go at it because they've learned a couple things about their system. And then they cause what I call an automation avalanche. <laughs> because they didn't check their documentation, look at it, understand what they had in place, and that using similar triggers or tags or things in the systems could also accidentally fire off some other stuff. So one thing, word of, word of the wise, when you build automation, document it, train people on what it is and say, you're welcome to create beautiful new processes and try new things. Just check the documentation first so you don't cause what I call an automation avalanche. And I'll, I'll give you a, a story which is interesting. I have customers who have been my customers for 30 years. Larger companies, those, you know, Fortune 1000. It's interesting because over the years, people turn over, IT directors, automation people, just staff turns over, you know, whether they get promoted or given the opportunity to work somewhere else successfully, you know, uh, AKA fire. Well, and people move on, right? <laughs> right. Move on. The, 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 here's what usually happens because of the way that I've done this. And most big firms do this. Most small firms don't. We have an automation map, you know, is there's a documentation of all this stuff. And so I'll get a call from whoever's in charge at the moment and say, you know, um, you guys and your team built this. Uh, we need to make some changes. And I say, let's whip out the map and look at how it works today. What part are you going to change and where? And that way, no, if we make the change, what is the downstream? We talked about this pipe, you know, the whole piping thing. What happens if we change this water? Oh, you didn't put an outlet. It's going to fill up your basement. <laughs> Oops. Um, 
And so when we do this with small to mid-sized business or agencies, we actually have a map that you should follow. And when you're going to make a change, look at your map. It's going to tell you how your plumbing is put together. And if you divert it over here, then it breaks. I'll give you a very simple example, which is kind of interesting. One of our customers we did two, took on two years ago, very, has a quarter million customers. They do some really wild stuff. Totally online consulting and, and, and business. And they also wrote a best-selling book, but that's a different story. We were reviewing their processes. They used 96 pieces of online software to run their business. You can name name because people can go experience this. It's called Mastering, yeah, Master, Diabetes. Mastering, Mastering Diabetes. They actually talk about us on some of our videos. We'll put some links down below. You can talk, you can look at that. But one of the things that we did is they went from 96 pieces. We documented how many different internet things they use, you know, because there's a cost and a learning curve and an integration. When we were done, they were down to about 30 some odd. Okay. So there was a lot of things we streamlined. Okay. Just from a, how does this work perspective? And, and utilize as much of any tool that we put in place. The second part, which I thought was funny, when we did this automation audit, you know that, as I talked about peeling back the layers of the onion thingy that I mentioned earlier? Um, he was telling me, Cyrus was telling me about this amazing tool they were using that was generating three to 500 new leads every month. And it was really inexpensive, it was like 20 bucks a month. And however it worked, it was magical. And I said, holy crap, you know, I need to sit, you know, you got my, you got my interest up there. What is it? So he showed it to me and I said, I want to see these reports. They got reports to show you how many leads you got. So we went back in the current month and there was nothing. We went back another month and there was nothing. Another month. It happened to be March when we started. So uh, what happened was we went back to December. I said, oh yeah, you got three, 488, some, you know, almost 500 leads. She says, Yeah. You know, we get about a 30% conversion and each one of those conversions are worth three to $5,000 or some large, very, it wasn't $39. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I was like, that's a money machine. Why did it stop? Because I don't know. I said, let's make sure it's plugged in. <laughs> that's number one. <laughs> Check your credit card. <laughs> you know, it's a paid service. Said it was working. We looked back a couple of months like a charm, and now it was not working. Check a credit card. Guess what? Credit card expired. Oops. Oops. You talk <laughs> about 1,500 leads, a 30% conversion, 500 sales times 3,000 bucks. You can do the math. That's a lot of money. That was a lot more money than any of our charges to do the work we were doing for an entire year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we found one thing because of our audit. And he flipped it on and things started working. But I look at it this way. That is a failure of the vendor who does not tell you your credit card's expiring. They didn't get the revenue and you didn't, they didn't get the referrals and the happy customers. So, you know, some techie guy, and I don't, and you are techies out there, don't take offense. I'm a techie at heart too. But built something that all of a sudden, you know, the credit card stopped working. You don't get revenue. The customers get satisfaction. And you know, what do they do? It broke or they leave and they go somewhere else or they forget about it. And we're on this internet online world thing. And if you don't have a way to know when something of your 90 some odd tools stops working, that could be important, especially if, you know, there's supposed to be a handoff from one to the other. 
And so, you know, that's that, that's one of the first things that we do is, you know, along with the PAL thing and our mapping, you know, our customer journey mapping of how you work is, you know, what's your audit? What are you using? Um, you know, what does it do for you? And, you know, is there a better way to do this? You know, in some cases, a less expensive way to do it. You know, does this tool integrate with anything else? So it's kind of a holistic approach, you know, um, like bringing your car to the mechanic and saying, you know, um, it occasionally doesn't start. <laughs> <laughs> and you say, what the first thing is, you know what's wrong with it? Nope. You know how to diagnose it? Well, it'll take a little time. Well, you know, it'll ask you questions. When does it happen? Only when it's cold or when it's too hot, you know? Does it happen every week or every day? Um, you know, and then, you know, you've got to diagnose what why the car doesn't start. And Gary, I don't know about you, but I brought my car into service many times of the many cars, too many that I own. And every time I bring it in to the thing I have a problem with, they say, you know, while we were under there, we noticed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, your ball bearings are leaking, your alignment's out, your tires are bad, your, your, your transmission's leaking. And, you know, while they're in there, you have a choice. Fix it or, you know, decide when you need, when it might, how long, how long will that last me? Because I got to wait till the next you know, check or, you know, it's, you know, I'm getting rid of the car. I don't really care. So those are the types of things, just like when you bring a car in or any type of um, thing in for service or an audit, so to speak, you know, it's helpful when somebody says, did you know that this is here? <laughs> you know, you want us to talk about what that, we can fix that problem process error. Then, you know, it's, it's a conversation. Um, we're not usually operating as a brick fix company. Um, I've had a philosophy for many years and people laugh at me for it. It says, we don't provide any service because our stuff never breaks. <laughs> in other words, I don't want a phone. I, I've always had a, a bonus system in place for all of our team members. If you deliver stuff to a customer and it, and my phone rings because they're, it broke or it's not working, because that's whose phone is going to ring mine or Sam's, you know, the point people. Then you're not going to get a bonus. It's really simple because we give a project bonus for everybody, uh, you know, a, a significant one. So the idea here is take the time to do it right. Figure out where it might break. Make sure you test the darn stuff, okay? Put some pressure in the pipes, right? Now, occasionally some things will leak you can, and you make an adjustment. But do it before you hand it over to the customer and they come back and say, it's leaking. <laughs> and then we have to make a service call. And then we got it. And you know what? It never happens at a good time. And Gary, I'm sure that, you know, you have, you have business and, I'm, and all you folks out there who are coaches, consultants, or agencies that provide a service that you do something. When a customer calls and it's Friday night or Saturday afternoon or Sunday while you're in church or whatever that may be, do you ignore the call <laughs> or do you interrupt everything you're doing going, what happened? Right. Um, they're usually not calling you to tell you they made a million bucks. <laughs> you know, uh, yep. the, that's not usually a call. It's like, it's stopped. It's not working. An error occurred or I can't get in the system. So one of the things that if you take the time to test, right. And you take the time to train, your customer how to use whatever systems they are and get them used to it guess what you know i can say this when sam 
was younger and learning to drive, I gave him the keys to my new mini manual. And I had trained him how to use a stick shift. And I don't remember if it was the first day or whatever day it was, I got a call. Oops, I had a little accident. <laughs> you know? And then I wondered why the uh, one day, and this is a whole nother story, we won't go down that route. I wondered why that my Mini, that only had like 4,000 miles on it, needed a new clutch that should have lasted 25,000 miles. Oh boy, that was some fun stories. But you know, people do things with your services and the products that you provide them that you didn't intend to. And then you have uh, you know unplanned consequences that you have to deal with. So that's part of looking at automation is thinking through the whole thing and not doing what I, and we have, we have a video out there on our website. It's called, don't be a cowboy. Oh, I want to do something. And you know, you just kind of jump on your horse and ride into the sunset. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> Gary, what else can we help you with here for your, for well, your I, uh, I could sit here and talk about this stuff all day with you guys. I find, I mean, I find this stuff just absolutely fascinating. Uh, but, I'm sure other people have uh, places to be and uh, probably this is probably a good place to kind of wrap it up. So if somebody does want to explore this further and kind of start getting more in the weeds with it and really get get into it, where where should we point them or where should we direct them so they can kind of get into your world? So um, what we did, I had you know, Sam made this and it'll be ready for you by the time this show goes up. Uh, MobilePocketOffice.com forward slash Technology. Pipelineology. Why don't you spell the whole thing out for everybody? Yeah, M-O-B-I-L-E-P-O-C-K-E-T-O-F-F-I-C-E.com. So mobilepocketoffice.com forward slash pipelineology, P-I-P-E-L-I-N-E-O-L-O-G-Y. Just the name of Gary's podcast here. Pipelineology, mopocketoffs.com forward slash pipelineology. That will put some resources on there that people can go and get for free to get themselves started with understanding how they can be human where it counts and otherwise automating because you got to start there. You don't start with automation as we've discussed here. You start with understanding your process and then you figure out what you should automate first. So we'll put that up there for free and. Um, we're excited to do that. And then the other thing is if people want to just get in touch with us, mopocketoffice.com, uh, tell us if you feel otherwise, we feel like we've done a good job of a big old button on the front. This is book now. So if you want to talk to us and have a conversation, we'd be happy to chat with you, but make sure you carve out some time because we're, 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 uh, we're long winded. So, <laughs> well, gentlemen, Thanks. Thanks so much for, uh, for coming on today. I, I really appreciate you doing this and I uh, really appreciate kind of sharing these insights into, into automation for everybody. Um, yeah. Any, any parting words before we, uh, jump off here? Figure out how to take time off from your business through automation because you live once and then you die. So make sure that you're not just doing business stuff. You, it, anybody who is an entrepreneur that's listening to this program, if you go back to why you want to be an entrepreneur so you can run your own life and do what you want, when you want it, take time off, enjoy things. If that ain't what you're getting, you know, 
the myth of being an entrepreneur means you built a business that you can never leave. That's not being an entrepreneur. So, you know, some of the best books that I've read are, you know, you build a business that doesn't need you. And if that's the case, you can also then sell it when you're ready to stop and somebody else will then take over. So uh, too many of the people that I've seen don't understand what I call the entrepreneurial time system. And here's a parting thought on that. This is actually a real thing. Um, Every day you take off and don't get interrupted, don't answer the phone, do anything else. You get two days of, of whammo power, okay? So if you want to be super productive, take, you know, and everybody knows this innately. You've done it before in your past. You take a couple of days off. You come back supercharged, ready to go. But the idea is uninterrupted time. So because the longer you go before taking a break, your productivity, your creativity, it starts to go down, uh, you know, it dwindle where you're fighting yourself every day. And, you know, think about it. If you get sick and you can't answer the phone and you're off for three to seven days because you got, you know, you're hopefully not, you know, the current flu and all that stuff, but you're just not feeling good. You know, you know, watch, you know, just taking time off. And then when you come back, you're refreshed and you literally get a jolt in energy. And that's the idea of an entrepreneurial time system. We can talk more about that another time. I know yourself out of a job. That's right. Find your way to take. 166 days a year off and not be afraid of it. That's awesome. Well, Sam, Josh, thanks so much for sharing today. Really appreciate having you on the show. And uh, yeah, we'll make sure we share all these resources in the show notes and uh, we'll have to have you on again sometime. But uh, until then, take care, guys. Thanks for listening to the Pipelineology podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and look forward to seeing you on the next one. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider giving us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.